Hello, Husky fans! This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. And uh, as is often the case, uh, we often do focus on the games from the Kemba Waka era, and um, I got I got a guest who uh, knows that era well today. Uh, today joining me is Kevin Kortsepp, one of the three founders of the Husky Ticket Project, who has been doing tremendous work over the last couple of years and, uh, you know, has seen his efforts really Really blow up in the last month or so. So, uh, Kevin, how's it going? Thanks for coming on. Doing great, Mac. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll obviously kind of get into the whole thing, but you are, like me, a uh, UConn graduate of 2012. Uh, I think we actually, just before we started recording, we were talking about how we were apparently both in the business school at the same time and uh, surely probably were in a lot of the same classes. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, really cool, I guess, to, to connect, uh, you know, all these years later and, you know, yeah, just, you know, wanted to talk some talk about your work with the Husky Ticket Project and just, you know, reflect on some of the, the great games we, we had a chance to watch. So I guess first things first, just uh, could you just maybe uh, kind of tell everybody uh, who you are and a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kevin Kortz. I graduated, like you said, from University of Connecticut in 2012, school business. Uh, healthcare management was my major. And after graduating from UConn, I moved to New York City been working there ever since company called Willis Towers Watson uh, so that that's the that's the that's the job that pays the bills and uh, but you know it, in my free time with like a lot of my friends that had also lived there just eat breathe Yukon sports Yukon athletics so anytime they came to the garden anytime they came to the Barclays Center you know even if they're not even in town you go into the local bar and watching a Yukon game so there's quite a number of us there and and so that's how I spend a lot of my time that sounds awesome. So I take it you must have been at the Big East tournament as much as you could for the, you know, couple of years after, right? <laughs> it's funny you say that. So I mean, obviously, a dream of mine was to move to New York City and be able to go to the Big East tournament with some regularity. And then, of course, the year that I moved there, it's the year that we're banned, and also the big, the old Big East is banned. So uh, never got a chance to take in the Big East tournament living in the city. Uh, with UConn in the conference, so I'm looking forward to doing that year in and year on out from this day forward. Yeah, well, uh, you know that's a good point, and uh, that's tough. <laughs> what, what horrible timing! <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So well, you know, we'll we'll we're obviously going to get into a lot more detail later, but you know, I think it's just kind of first things first. You guys have had a hell of a month. Um, you know, ever since the Marquette game. You know, your 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 the Husky Ticket Project, something you I know you've been working on for a couple of years now, has really taken off and uh, you know has enjoyed its you know by far its most successful month. Uh, I, I would certainly imagine. <laughs> so, uh, I guess first things first, what has this past month been like for you guys? And you know, what kind of a ride has it been for you guys to you know show up in the Washington Post and all these other uh, national outlets? It has been an unbelievable last four to five weeks. Something that we couldn't have even have imagined. Uh, when we all got together, we all got together uh, on a Google Hangout to try to lay out what we wanted to accomplish this year: fundraising goals, number of tickets to distribute uh, to the kids and the and the youth organizations in Connecticut. Uh, and <laughs> we just could not have imagined that we would be uh, hitching our hitching our wagon to this to this hot sauce sort of viral movement that took over Twitter. And uh, sixty thousand dollars later, uh, we destroyed all of our fundraising goals for the year. So we're really looking forward to sending a lot of kids to games, and it's it, it's just been un- unbelievable. And as the days went on, 
um, each person that we got connected with was was more amazing than the next. You know, whether it was Dan Orlovsky, uh, you know, getting in touch with him and him doing a hot sauce shot video, or getting getting an email from Dan Hurley's team, you know, talking about the donation that he wanted to make. Uh, and Randy Edsel, you know, one of our other members, Kevin Solomon. Uh, you know, he's got his number now. So it's just been an unbelievable last few weeks. It, it, it's just so awesome to get connected with the different people that you see on UConn Twitter or, or just have, you know, people that are within the athletics department. So it's just been an incredible five weeks and we're loving every minute of it. That's so fantastic. It, it must, I can't even imagine. It must just been the, the coolest thing to just watch it blow up like that. And, you know, obviously I would imagine most of our listeners pro- probably well familiar with you guys and what you do, but I guess it just if, for those who may not be familiar, what exactly is the Husky Ticket Project and what exactly is your, your mission? Yeah, so the Husky Ticket Project's mission is to solicit donations from UConn alumni in order to purchase tickets to UConn athletic events. And then from there, we distribute the, the tickets to local Connecticut youth organizations so that they can go to and, and take part in, and go see the games. Uh, and, it, and it helps supplement a lot of the programs and services that these organizations are already offering. So that's, that's, that's sort of the... Uh, the high level overview of the mission statement, I guess. And, uh, you know, that came about a few years. The origin story behind it is back in 2018, uh, the three, there's three of us that, that have really started this, uh, the Husky ticket projects, myself, uh, Jeremy Longabardi, uh, who was a friend of mine at UConn during our undergraduate days. And then Kevin Solomon, he, uh, he was in my fraternity. We we're both in uh, Zeta Beta Tau together. And so the three of us were living in the city, and uh, you know, we, we felt like during that time there was uh, the athletic department, or excuse me, the athletic programs were on sort of a downward trajectory. The football team was kind of kind of a joke. The basketball, both uh, you know, the men's team was having losing records, something that I I had, had they probably hadn't had since before I was born. So. Uh, and, and with those de- declining trajectories were declining attendance figures. And so we felt like there was a lot of apathy around the program. There was a lot of negativity surrounding our athletic teams. And we wanted to do something about it. Uh, you know, living in New York City, we felt like it's, it's difficult to go back to campus to support the programs that we love. It's, it's, it's a long ride up to Rentschler Field from New York City, even longer ride back to Gamble Pavilion. Uh, so we weren't able to go to as many athletic events as we'd like to try to help, you know, support the teams, support the program, and just show that there's fans in attendance that care about these teams still. And so our solution was, is, you know, if we can't be there, what if, what if someone went in our place? And if what if, if someone that went in our that person that went in our place was someone that couldn't normally maybe afford or 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 had the uh, you know, the support structure in place to bring someone to that game. So that's where the idea of donating the tickets to youth organizations came from. And that, and that's where the formula was derived that I kind of talked about at the beginning was, you know, looking to get donations from UConn alumni that maybe can't get back to campus, want to feel like they're supporting their programs. We use that money to buy tickets. Athletic department gets support. They get the, you know, the dollars and they get the ticket sales from those tickets that they weren't otherwise selling. And then the youth organizations get, uh, they get the tickets and then they can use them however they like. Uh, it helps with their programming. It helps provide 
We work with various mentorship programs, so it provides them a forum to have three or four hours together. Uh, it's just been a win-win-win, I think, for everyone involved, and uh, we're glad that we got it started. It's, and like you said, it's been slowly ramping up, and, and we've been slowly gaining some traction in what we're trying to do. And then it finally came to a head over the last few weeks. Yeah, that's I mean, that's fantastic. And it's such a great mission, too, because, uh, you know, I think what you observed was basically like, hey, you know, all these teams are on a downward trajectory. Like, you know, w- what's going to happen like to the next generation of fans like, you know, UConn ever since, you know, we were, you know, I don't know if you're a lifer necessarily. We can actually talk about that in a second. But, you know, for most a lot of UConn fans grew up in Connecticut, like rooting for the Huskies. And you have like this oh, yeah. basically what a four or five year gap now where. I mean, I don't know, like, I'm not sure I'd necessarily be into it as much as I would have been if, you know, if I was one of those kids who grew up with the 90, you know, with Ray Allen or with the 1999 championship, like, you know, kids our age, like, or people our age, rather, you know, they had some just awesome formative experiences. So, you know, just having the opportunity to help, you know, even in a small way, maybe create and groom that next generation of fans is awesome. So, you know, I, I guess that's a good segue into, you know, how exactly did you come to the uh, UConn Athletics family? Were you, uh, you know, did, did you, were, are you like from Connecticut? Did you root for them growing up yourself or were you like, did you kind of come to UConn as a freshman, uh, you know, in 2008, 2009? Yeah. So I was born in Connecticut and uh, so grew up in Connecticut and I, I'm not sure if you are from Connecticut as well, um, but when you're from Connecticut, it's. You know, we don't have a pro sports team. There, you know, New York has Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, Massachusetts, you know, all the Boston area sports. Connecticut has the Huskies. Um, and then everyone's kind of attentions for professional sports are diverted away. But I think we're all aligned and unified in our love and support of the men's and women's basketball teams. And so basically since the moment I was born, funny story, my dad had tickets to the uh, Tate George, the shot game at the Meadowlands, but could not go because I had just been born. So, and a lot of people view that as kind of the moment when UConn had emerged on the national scene as as a power to be reckoned with. So basically from that moment on, we have had great men's and women's basketball. And, you know, I've just ingested every moment I can, you know, basically living my schedule and calendar around the, the, the basketball schedule. Uh, so grew up an absolute diehard men's and women's basketball uh, fan. Well, you know what? I'm jealous of you because that means you're exactly the type of kid I was just alluding to. So tell me about what it was like for you in the mid to late 90s when I'm sure you were kind of just becoming aware of, you know, sports in general. And, you know, watching Ray Allen and watching, you know, um, you know, the 1999 championship team. Do you, what was those experiences like for you as a, as like a, you know, a young, what, six, seven, eight, nine year old kid at that time? Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. And, and of course, like those early Ray Allen days, I was four years old. So I, I can't comment on those, but I vividly remember the 1998-99 season where the men finally captured their first national championship. I was in third grade and the entire school, uh, you know, we didn't we didn't have any you know, studies that day. They, it was just a big they just had a big party in the gymnasium. There was food. People cooked uh or people baked like uh, desserts, cupcakes, and everything like that, and it was a celebration. And, and that, I feel like that really embodies how people feel about the the basketball program. It's a source of, of pride amongst the state on having such a such a good 
powerful team in state uh, that, that, that we've always been able to hang our hats on. So growing up, yeah, starting in 1999 with that national championship was amazing. I mean, I'll never forget. I was in my friend's basement watching that 2004 uh, Final Four game where UConn played Duke. Um, I mean, everybody – and then with the highs come the lowest of lows, right? You have the 2006 team that was just just steamrolled opponents all season and then, of course, lost to George Mason in, like, that first ever true Cinderella run. Uh, it, 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 just year in, year out, Calhoun was able to just bring in truckloads of talent, field amazing teams, and it was just something to – it was just a spectacle to be seen. And I think – being born, like kind of like coinciding with that, with that rise in uh, in the program's power, you got we got complacent. I don't know if complacent's the right word, but we got uh, we definitely got used to having very very good teams. So then when 2000, what 15, 16, 17 rolls around, you, you, you scratch your head and you really wonder what's going on because you just never you never seen a team struggle, let alone a, couldn't even fathom a losing record. Uh, but it, yeah, to get back to your original question, it's just amazing to see the teams, the players that came through, God, Ray Allen, you know, Charlie Villanueva, Josh Boone, Ben Gordon, Emeka Okafor, like the list just goes on and on. Rudy Gay, the beat was amazing to watch. Uh, Jeff Adrian, AJ Price, like Kemba Walker, all time favorite kid lived two doors down from me, uh, when I was a freshman there, it was just, just awesome, uh, awesome to be a fan and, uh, very grateful to be able to take it in along the way. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, uh, you know, that's honestly, I'm jealous because I've, I've mentioned on this uh, podcast many times before I'm a, I'm from Boston. I uh, grew up here, so I did not really come to the Yukon family until the 2008, 2009 season. But I mean, what talk about a talk about an introduction. That team was awesome. <laughs> and, you know, obviously it kept on generally getting better from there between, you know, you make the final four when we're freshmen, you know, our junior year, they win the national championship, kind of come out of nowhere. You know, the girls, they, they didn't lose a game until we were juniors. Like yeah. that's sick. Like who, who, what, what, when does that ever happen anywhere? Like it was, it was wild. So, you know, let's, let's, you know, talk, um, we'll start with 2009. I guess just go on from there. You mean, like there were some great games. I, I imagine you probably, you know, went to quite a few of them yourself. You know, what, what are some of the ones that stand out to you as like, you know, some of the great, you know, college memories that you have, uh, you know, at UConn, you know, for games you saw, is there any in particular you were at that really stand out? I mean, take your pick on that 2008, 2009 season. And that must've been incredible for you to just walk in, you know, move your stuff in freshman year and your, your men's basketball team's number two in the country. And, they just absolutely steamroll opponents, uh, you know, all throughout the year. And that was when the Big East was at like the height of its power too. You know, up and down the conference rankings, you know, you had ranked nationally, you know, top twenty-five opponents almost on a weekly basis. So they were battle tested. And I think you, I think that freshman year, I, I couldn't get to as many games I would have liked as, as you remember. It's they had the I don't know if they still have it, but the old lottery system where you had to enter your name to try to get the season tickets for Gamble. So got to some of the earlier games that year, uh, not to as many later on as I'd have liked. Uh, of course, watched them, you know, everything revolved around that schedule. And I think neither of us will probably forget where we were watching that, the Final Four game. Oh, I mean, how do you not even, how do I not even like, like immediately think of the six overtime game? in the Big East tournament? Oh, geez. My goodness. Yeah, that was, yeah. So I was watching that from home 
and it was like it's it started late like it, it didn't even start until like nine and yeah. I want to say that it was still going on at like one one thirty in the morning I just remember by the sixth overtime I was like please let it end I just want to go to bed <laughs> <laughs> I yeah mean, I remember at one point I was I was watching it with friends I had gone to I forget where to I had gone to visit a friend at college and we were watching the game and you know, we were whatever hanging out and at some point later on, I was like, is this highlights? Or, and then you look down and it says five OT in the corner. And it's just, just crazy. It's just one of those games that it's just always talked about. Unfortunately that we, you know, we weren't on the winning side of that. So you got to hear it from Syracuse fans every time you you're in the same room as them. But I mean, those were some of the, in what was such a great season, unfortunately, like those couple of losses, like that loss and then the loss to Michigan state, like more stand out. Um, and then this next season was like a weird year that like we had a good team that was that 2009, 2010 team. Like we had Stanley Robinson, a sophomore, Kemba Walker, Jerome Dyson, finally back from injury. Um, you know, we, and then we beat number one, Texas. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't get to that game, but so many people did. Yeah, and neither they say did. it's like that was the, that was the best game they ever been to. They ever seen Gamble louder. I don't know if you were there. Or not. I was not. And you know, I think I, I've probably mentioned this before too. But I uh, I had to sell my tickets to um, one of. Well, I, I didn't even know the guy at the time, but he wound up working with me at the Daily Campus like the next year randomly. So mm-hmm. that's a funny story for another day. But yeah, I had to sell him my tickets because me and my uh, girlfriend who now my wife uh we'd been dating for like literally like two months and it was her birthday so i was oh. like sold the tickets uh you know went to you know her family's house uh they, they don't really like do tv really so like you know i just basically i found out like i got i was wondering how how's the game going I had no idea yeah. what, what was going on and i end up like texting one of my friends and he's just like or I think I called him, I think, and I'm just like, Hey, how's it going? And it's just like, I, I, all I can hear is just noise on the other end until finally I like over, he like can make out the words like, dude, we rushed the court. I'm just like, yeah. Oh God, what have I done? <laughs> I mean, it worked, <laughs> it, wor- it worked out in the end, you know, my, you know, we've, my wife and I have been together for 11 years now. So, or yeah, it, it's been, it was, it, it paid off, but that, that, that one hurt. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That was that like, one, that one's, that one stings. And, uh, I wonder if it's like if you're eight months in, maybe you can get away with it, or maybe you got to even put it in a year. But the two months, yeah, it's like you, you unfortunately you're giving up that ticket to to uh, you know start off start off the relationship on a good note. Yeah, oh for sure. And it's it's fun it's funny to think about like the technology of that time, which wasn't even that long ago. So that was like what 2010. Like I don't even think I had an iPhone at that point, so I couldn't just like open my ESPN app to see the score like exactly like you said it would be like you had to text someone well to find out I mean I I, I could have but like I don't know I, I was whatever I was doing I was just, you know, it was like one of the first times I'd really met her extended family so I was trying to be yeah. you know I wasn't trying to be that that jackass who's just on the phone the whole time you know <laughs> yeah so but yeah. yeah I mean that's tough I mean yeah the 2010 season though that that was like it was like a really bad and disappointing year with one just awesome highlight so jealous of everybody who got to see that uh it, you know obviously 2011 more than made up for it i was at i, I was at every home game there so for you know obviously you know, working covering the games and stuff um but you know the, the crazy thing about that is like it just kind of came out of nowhere like nobody really had high expectations to that season we were all kind of just like i guess we'll just have to see maybe maybe we'll be okay who knows 
So, um, what are, what were you, what do you remember from that season? Any any particular games stand out to you of you know being at Gamble, being at XL, being at Ted's, or I don't know whatever. Yes, I mean you're exactly right. That team was, I think, not. There was no chatter or buzz about that team coming. I mean, of course, Kemba Walker was coming coming into his junior year, and I actually won't forget this because. So I was like I said, kind of earlier at the top. Like I was I I was in ZBT. That's how I met one of the founders, Kevin Solomon. And for whatever reason, they allow that Greek life to move in like a week early. So I went to the gym and I just saw I saw Kemba in the field house just raining threes, like NBA length threes with just like just one after the other, not missing. And I was like, I just looked, I was like, Oh my goodness, this guy's going to have a good season. And then of course the season starts. There's not a lot of buzz around the team. I think we're projected to finish like eighth or ninth in the conference, maybe even less than that. And they just come right out of the gate and be like number. I don't remember. It was like top 10 Michigan state and a like ranked highly touted Kentucky team and immediately vault into, like, the top ten of the rankings. And then, of course, the Big East is a buzzsaw. Um, so they, they, they go 500 in that. I, I was at that Villanova game, though, where he, like, where Kemba, like, drove the lane and hit that floater with, like, a second left. That was electric. So uh, such, a, such a good game. Um, I remember being at another couple games. I think we lost to Notre Dame in double overtime. The Notre Dame game was Sparrow. maybe the most infuriating loss I, I think I ever saw in person at UConn because – just like I think it was that that was uh, if I'm I think you're talking about the one that was their regular season finale, right? Like right at the end of the season. I, yeah, it was home game against Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I don't remember if it was the finale or not, but I just remember us. I think I think it went to OT, maybe even double OT. Someone's gonna fact check me on this, but like Ben Hansborough, then he's like, you know, we're booing him, and he's you know serenading us like a conductor, and it was just so infuriating because like a lot of the the like pundits around college basketball were saying like him for Big East player of the year, which is an absolute joke. He, he won Big uh, East player of the year. Can you believe yeah. that? Just on, I makes to, to this day, it makes no sense to me. It's, I it might be, it. it might be the biggest outrage in sports history. I mean, that sounds like a hot take, but I honestly like what's worth, like there is not a lot of snubs that are more just outrageous than that. Like Kemba was great all season. And then obviously like the postseason stuff really just made it look so stupid, but yeah, yeah, and you know, Hansborough was like he was a you know, he I mean, I don't know what he's actually like in person, but you know, at least that <laughs> season like he he it came across as a huge punk and you know, just losing that game, it was like their fourth loss in five games to end the season too. It really felt like they were, you know, kind of running running aground as a team. And I mean, obviously yeah. we all know what happened next, but like I just remember like, after the game was over, Hansborough like comes into the press room and like slams a Gatorade bottle and it's just like kind of just has this whole air of being like, yeah, I'm the man. And like, I mean, I don't know. I obviously, you know, me and my, my colleague were, you know, keeping professional, but we were like, this guy's an asshole. Like, oh man, pardon my language. It's just so, uh, so frustrating that that was, yeah, that was one of the ones that stood out in a bad way though, for sure. Um, I, I mean, obviously then it worked out. What did you, know, do you, what do you recall about the, uh, the Big East tournament that year? Did you get a chance to go to any of the games or were you on campus or, or what were you doing then? Yeah, so the Big East tournament, you know, I, I didn't make it to the Big East tournament, and I don't even know if I had a good reason for not going. I had two close friends that went all five days. I mean, that's got to be the experience of a lifetime. But it was spring break, of course, watching from home. Watching, and the Pittsburgh game was, of course, that that's another one of those games. I think I've said it a couple times already. It's like you, you, don't, you don't forget where you were watching that game. It was like noon tip. And 
I was just at home uh, on spring break watching the game and, you know, the step back, the, you know, Pitt being so good and, uh, you know, the team already having to, to grind out two wins uh, in the prior two days. So I feel like that was like the shot heard around Connecticut, no question. Uh, then the next night was my birthday. I remember uh, it was my 21st birthday. A couple friends and I went up to, to Foxwoods, and we went and watched the game there uh, versus Syracuse. I think it was overtime. Tyler Olander, I think, unsung hero in that game to put us into the championship game versus Louisville, which really catapulted. It's, it's funny. I feel like the the narrative around that team was that, like, without that run, we, we don't make the tournament, which I never really understood. We had an unbelievable season prior to that. But – of course, that catapulted us into uh, the tournament three seed. Believe uh, someone checked me on that, but and then just an, another another run for the ages. And I think we wouldn't forget where we were watching any of those games. I, I remember in the NCAA tournament, my friend and I we watched the game in the same spot for every single game except for the championship game against Butler. We were able to go and watch it at Gamble with everybody. It was just an amazing experience. So just. When we came so close as freshmen to, to to capturing the championship, we were able to get it in 2011. It's just unbelievable feeling. Yeah, I mean that's yeah that it was it was crazy because like I I had such regrets after not going to uh, to Detroit for the Final Four in 2009. I was like, man, like did I just blow it? So you know, 2011 was was really was really awesome what so you know i was not on campus obviously for you know the aftermath of the championship so what exactly went down because just the stories i heard about the celebration and the uh i mean you know some might call it a riot that erupted afterwards (laughs) what what went down how was uh what was campus like afterwards it's funny i we i i don't remember there being riots like and destruction of property i i remember we went and we walked down to carriage because we had friends that lived down there. So we, you know, continuing the celebration off campus. But I remember the next day going to class and there was like telephone poles through windows and, you know, clearly like uh, trash cans tipped over. It sounds small, I guess, but like it, I, I don't know if I could call it, I, would, I don't know if I call it a riot, but I wouldn't call it peaceful either. So it was somewhere in between. Uh, just a ton of exuberance pouring out of Gamble Pavilion after they were able to win, win that game, and uh, yeah, it just just a lot of excitement around campus. But to answer your question, I think uh, there definitely was some uh, uh, definitely definitely was some uh, wrongdoing going on. I believe yeah, when it came to uh, you know taking care of our great campus. Yeah, maybe riots a little strong, but I do. I just some of the stories I heard were, were wild. Like, I guess maybe what is it? What would you call it? Like a positive, like a happy riot or something? <laughs> I don't know. This, <laughs> see, I guess the story I, that really stood out to me was somebody told me, and I actually don't know if this is actually true, but I, I hope it's true. Well, I don't know if I hope it's true, but it's just so wild that I couldn't believe it. Like somebody claimed that somebody set the piano at East, one of East campus's residence halls on fire. And <laughs> I, I just I remember hearing that I was like, why why would you do that? Like it's like like hundreds of perfectly good ratty couches you could set on fire. Why would you why would you wreck a perfectly good musical instrument? So I I don't know if that's actually true, but I heard it from enough people where I was like, I, all right, either this actually happened or enough people have decided it happened that we're all just gonna make it a part of our collective memory. So I don't know. Um, either way, it was it was must have been crazy and. Uh, 
you know, just obviously, just, you know, college was was a good time. So I guess I don't know anything else. Do you like any other games you remember from you know your UConn years that stood out to you that are worth mentioning? Uh, I, so I think the only uh, we talked a lot of, about a lot of the great games during our four years there uh, in our, what would be our freshman to junior year. That senior year, obviously, we came in with a ton of uh, high expectations after Drummond. Uh, committed, I think, like the day before classes started. Uh, but I think, and, and that was an up and down season, no question. Uh, one of the best games I think was, was was that game at Villanova where Shabazz hit. He hit that like almost half court shot with like two seconds left, and and there's that famous picture of the cheerleader or maybe the flu. I, the cheerleader, I think, just like in a stunned face. Uh, but I think another great game even though we lost the game, was uh, when college game day came, when uh, UConn was playing Syracuse at Gamble Pavilion. Oh, I'm glad you brought uh, that, that up. That was unbelievable, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, just a crazy – I mean, Syracuse was coming in. I think they were a highly, highly ranked team. You know, We were somewhere within the top 25, I believe. Uh, but, of course, super talented team, so it was going to be a great matchup. And we got up at, like – biggest regret, I think, was not camping out. I think a lot of people like slept in tents like the, the night before. Yeah, that like, was uh, there, like I did. I was the only time I ever got a chance to camp out overnight. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was a huge regret. Was a huge regret is never having camped out for a game. That that definitely stings when we when we get to talking about old memories of going to UConn games. But that game was you know, college game day was awesome. Uh, just all day, everyone was excited about the game, and the game wasn't until nine o'clock. So you know you had to keep. You had to keep that buzz going all day, and then of course they played tough, played tough in a loss, and ultimately led to a first round exit to, to Iowa State, uh, which was kind of a, I think was a cap on a very like odd, strange year for for a for a very highly talented team that you know Calhoun got suspended, I think, and then he also had some medical problems, and little did we know it would be the the final year of his coaching career, so. It was definitely, definitely. So it, now that we're talking about it, like so strange that that was the final. That was kind of the finale, you know, of of the UConn run under Jim Calhoun was was that senior year of ours. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was pretty weird. I think I recall seeing uh, Shabazz Napier was asked about it on his uh, or it, it came up on his Instagram story or something recently, and he talked about just how that was such a good team and just they didn't have their you know none of the guys they had were really ready to step up and be leaders like you know obviously if you put 2014 Shabazz on that team they I mean god that I can't even imagine a more dominant team than that if that if they have that version of him but I don't know they were they just weren't ready but you know obviously you know 2013 and 14 were pretty good and uh you know 2014 was just was just crazy too like you know obviously we were out of school by this point so you what was what was that experience like for you where I, by this point i'm guessing you are probably in new, new york by now so what uh what do you recall from that season and uh you know being a fan uh kind of from afar then very funny because that the year before we that was when we had the postseason ban uh, first year under Kevin Ollie, and they, I think they went twenty and ten. They won that game against Michigan State uh, in Germany. So they're coming into that season. There was some high expectations of the team, and it was it was funny at the time. Like you know, it was just UConn was UConn. You know, we're con- continually a national power ranked team, and and the expectations were high. And the AAC was no one really knew what to expect. 
of some of these new teams. Of course, you had like the Louisvilles and the Rutgers and the USFs that were like old holdovers. Uh, Louisville coming in very, very good that year. Uh, but you didn't know what to expect from some of those other pesky teams that, you know, sort of nipped at our heels and, and you know, more so than that over the over the coming years. But that 2014 year, I mean, that Florida game was unbelievable. The, the, I mean, I can, I still watch that clip, you know, sometimes when, the, when, when UConn's not playing, uh, where they hit that buzzer beater at Gamble. And, uh, yeah, we were routinely going to – there was a bar in the city called Van Diemen's. It's no longer – it's no longer with us anymore, but uh, that was the that was the UConn bar, and uh, we used to go there quite a bit. Uh, but I think I really think like the coup de gras of that season was we went on the we went on the run in, in the in this in the tournament. So it started with Brima, you know his his uh, his his and one making the free throw to to to, to beat to take us over St. Joe's to keep us alive, and then uh, you know with uh, the Sweet Sixteen Elite being an MSG. That was a home game. I, I mean, everyone talks about it. Everyone talks about how they heard the chants, uh, you know, on the timeout for Michigan State. But that was – I was there. That place was absolutely rocking. That, I think that might have been the best game I've ever been to was that Michigan State game, oddly enough, because then a few friends of mine and I, we, uh, you know, after they won that game, immediately booked our tickets down to Dallas for the Final Four. And that was an experience unlike anything. And it, I – it's funny. You mentioned something before about being at the 2011 final four. You weren't on campus after being on campus and being at the final four, the next for anyone listening to this, if we, when we make the final four again, you have to go. It is just an amazing experience. Like everyone from UConn flocks down to where the final four is. You just see so many of the different people that you, you read and you, know, you meet some of the, the, some of the guys from the horde. You, you just see people that you maybe haven't seen in a while and everyone is just out there rooting for UConn. And, of course, it just makes it that much sweeter when you go and you, you beat Florida. When we were, we were down early and we came back and beat Florida. And then, oh, my God, that championship game. I didn't eat all day. I was so nervous against that Kentucky team. Because even though they were, like, seventh or eighth seeded, it's Kentucky. And you know, they, have a, they have a top three recruiting class. And you just never know when that talent is going to come together and just crush you. So I was very nervous going into that game. And of course it just ended with, with the championship again. And God, it was, it was funny. So you were talking about your wife. I was dating my wife at the time and I was saying, I was like, you're, you're spoiled. We won the UConn, UConn won a national championship in the first year that you've known me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I was like, it's, it, you know, it, it, it isn't always like this, I promise, and how right I was. Yeah, the un- years ahead, unfortunately, but. how right you were. Man, yeah, that is awesome. I mean, I, I can't even imagine, like, well, I don't know, because, like, when I when I got to go, when I went to the 2011 Final Four, I was working there, too. So, you know, I was, you know, talking to my friends and stuff who were in the student section. It was just, like, just the craziest experience. So 2014 was just a whole other different kind of special because, like, they had really, like, we did not expect it, and you know, there was a lot of good reasons why, like, we, we are kind of, like, you know, thumbing our noses at, like, fate in the world and stuff, because, you know, we'd already lost the Big East, you know, we'd had our postseason ban, the, just, you know, a lot of things were not going their way, and obviously those trends eventually caught up to them, but that year it was just, like, you know, Shabazz getting up on stage and being like, this is what happens when you ban us, was just uh, the absolute un- most unbelievable thing ever. And, uh, I mean, I, so I was at, uh, I was in Boston, uh, one of my old roommates and I went into the city to, uh, UConn's, you know, 
bar in Boston. And it was like, it's like four different like floors of like TVs wall to wall. And the place was packed. And after they won, somebody poured a beer on my head. And I <laughs> can't tell you how unconcerned I was by that fact. I was, we were all just going crazy. It was a, it was something else. Man, it does make me like so excited for like the days coming ahead when, you know, fans are back. The pandemic is over. UConn has like got their, you know, their whole recruiting classes in, you know, this season, it feels like it's been such a nice, like, you know, palate cleanser. And yet you also feel like, man, it's just like, we're so close. You know, it's not that far away before it's going to be, I mean, it may not never be exactly like it used to be, but at least to a point where we, we feel like UConn basketball again. So I'll just kind of like, you know, kind of moving ahead because obviously we don't need to dwell on the last five years. But, you know, when at what point, I guess, like, you know, when you guys started the Husky Ticket Project, at what point did you guys start feeling like there's some real momentum and that, you know, it's, you know, there's actually going to be genuine excitement that you guys can capitalize on? Do you, would you remember kind of any particular points where you, you know, felt that? Yeah, so the momentum definitely, I think, we definitely started feeling momentum towards the end of 2019 going into 2020. Uh, we had almost doubled, I think, the number of tickets that we had given out for football in 2019. And then we partnered with uh, the Ryan Matthews and the Suzy Foundation, which is a great organization that we have given tickets to. And we had we have, we hosted our first ever fundraising event, so just beyond kind of uh, you know social media, emailing, you know, in person, sort of like a very legitimate fundraiser. And so we had that prior to the Memphis game in uh, February of 2020. And that was a success. Uh, we had a lot, we had a huge turnout for that. And so we really felt like we were, we were about to take that next step into, uh, you know, being able to, to provide tickets to even more organizations and just becoming a little, like even more of a legitimate operation. And then of course, with COVID-19, everything shut down. Football canceled their season, and uh, and the the basketball program announced that they weren't going to have any fans. And so, for a uh, a not for profit organization that seeks to provide tickets so fans can attend games, uh, we really got sort of derailed for for all of 2020. And we were hoping to kept recapture a lot of that magic uh, for 2021. Like I said, we we were we were coming up. We, we we got together in like first week of January, coming up with ideas. How can we how can we get back on people's radar and, and get visibility into what we're doing and get our mission out there? And whew, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, the charity gods were certainly hearing our prayers because uh, they delivered us a, a, a viral Twitter moment that we couldn't even have hoped to imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, you guys have raised enough money. You could practically sell out an entire, you know, gamble for an entire game if you wanted to practically. So what are, you know, with all the money you guys have, what exactly, you know, what are your goals and what are your plans now once, uh, you know, fans are allowed back in? Yeah. So the plan for this year is <clears throat> we're planning to provide tickets to uh, football for sure. Uh, in years past, what we had done is try to provide tickets for all of the games but as you can imagine when the weather gets cold and the record gets even colder uh <laughs> the the interest is muted in those late october november football games so the plan this year is to send as many kids as possible to some of the earlier games and we're targeting a purdue game and we're also targeting the yale game uh so the plan now is and we've already been in talks with the ticket department to buy uh tickets for an entire section it's going to be the husky ticket project section uh 
we're looking for right on the goal line so uh, everyone can see it. And uh, that that's the plan for uh, 2021. And then, of course, we're going to do men's and women's basketball uh, for the next season when they hopefully allow uh, more fans to that as well. And then we're even going to try to expand. Uh, you know, like in the past, we've only just done football and basketball, uh, but we want to do hockey. We've just built a, uh, you know, a beautiful new baseball stadium that that needs fans uh, to to uh, take it in. So we're going to try to do baseball as well, uh, soccer, you name it. Uh, we would like to try to send fans to all the games because we have a lot of great programs, and I think it's it would be great for these kids to take in a lot of different sports. So that's our plans for the, for the next 12 months. That's awesome. Well, I hope that the, uh, you know, the state of the world improves to such an extent where we can get lots of kids into, in, you know, get lots of kids tickets and, you know, hopefully really uh, take off once uh, things get up and running. So uh, Kevin, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. I guess uh, one last question for you, you know, we just saw, you know, a kind of a, a weird game against Seton Hall the other day what are what are your thoughts on the season you know how you how you what are you thinking about UConn basketball right now in uh you know early February of 2021 unlucky that's that's the first word that comes to my mind uh between the the start stops due to the COVID precautions uh the injuries with you know a cook not being ready uh, Andre Jackson and his wrist injury and then uh, book night with them coming down on his elbow it's just it, it's actually quite amazing that you know, we we played as well as we have. You know, we've in the games we've lost, we've played extremely close. You know, uh, not unlike in the past, I would say under the Ollie days, where a ten you know a ten zero run becomes a thirty point deficit by the end of the game. You know, they fight hard to stay in the game. So even without a few of their best players, so I I just hope there's enough time left that we can get everyone healthy, get everyone back, and get everyone on the same page to make a March run. Because the talent is clearly there, uh, the grind is really clearly there. You know that starts with Whaley and it, it goes all the way down. Uh, this team can play with the best of them. I think it's just can we get healthy and can we play with any level of consistency to to you know to be playing at full potential. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, Book Knights. Uh, it sounds like they're optimistic he'll be back soon. So we'll hopefully see how that goes. But. Uh, yeah, it's a it's an exciting time for UConn, and that's for sure, especially after the last five years. So, Kevin, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, so, I, I guess one last thing before I let you go: is there anything you'd like to plug, or you know, if anybody wants to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Yeah, Twitter is where we're most visible. Uh, at, t- at Husky Ticket Proj P R O J is uh, is our Twitter handle. That's that's where we have the most engagement. Uh, we just launched a new website. Uh, well. It, I should say redesigned website. It's it's huskyticketproject.com. That has all the info about the organizations we partner with, uh, how you could donate to uh, to our cause, um, and then we you know we have our new logo on there. So uh, there's a lot of great information on that, and uh, that's that's pretty much where we're where we are right now. So uh, look forward to you know staying engaged with everybody along the way. Awesome. Well, you guys are doing great work, and uh, hopefully uh, you know the, the the best is still yet to come. So. For all you guys out there, make sure you guys, uh, you know, support the, you know, the Husky Ticket Project and their efforts. Uh, they've done great work, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be really fun once, uh, you know, the kids are actually able to get back to games once that's a, you know, a thing. So, um, but anyway, yeah, you. Know, so uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week, and uh, you guys know the drill. You can follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M A C C E R U L L O. DMs are open, and you can email us at yesuconpodcast at gmail.com. So uh, yeah, we'll leave it there and uh, we'll catch you guys next week.